Now, talking travel with travel expert and specialist Sally Lucas. And Sally Lucas will be joining us today and she's taking us to Western Australia. We'll be doing some wonderful touring with her north of Perth, up as far as Monkey Mire. Why don't we, Jane? And again, a lovely destination that I visited a few years ago and have just come back again. So this time we headed north from Perth to do a little bit of travelling up that way. Um, Of course, I've always wanted to go to Monkey Mire to see the The dolphins, dolphins. (laughs) which was the main draw card. But of course, it wasn't just that. It was the drive still at the end of the wildflower season. So we went up the Brand Highway, which is the inland highway out of Perth and when you're going up through there you come to an area near the Lesur National Park which we didn't have time to go into because we're a bit restricted on you know our time duration but along that part of just the Brand Highway between Badgingara and Eniaba there was just wildflowers galore either side of the road Um, and we did spot them in lots of other different areas not just there like even um, further north you know we saw them up around uh, Kalbari uh, and we visited the gorges there so it was a really long drive day one you're looking at about oh gosh uh, a bit under 600 k's, I suppose, from Perth to Kalbari. Um, and so we went up, I said, as that inland route. Then you cut back onto the coast and come in through to Geraldton. And we just stopped and had a bite to eat there and then continued on to Kalbari. And where we stayed there was lovely. It was the Murchison View Apartments, from memory they were called, but it was just out of town or just on the edge of town. It was a lovely accommodation. I can't remember the exact name, but it was looking over the the river uh, at the estuary there as it goes goes out to sea so it was you know a lovely position and it's there are any small towns all this place I mean Geraldton's fairly large of course but Kalbari itself it's just a small little village really and but just delightful and of course they've got these wonderful coastal walks that you can do right along the cliffs there they're rugged and the, you can see all the wind and the erosion and the fantastic colours and it goes for about 16k south of Kalbari you can just keep popping it off the road and doing some of these wonderful cliff walks which are just spectacular um and then, of course, you've got the gorge itself, the Kalbari Gorge, where there's many walks you can do within the gorge. It was getting fairly hot. Um, I would suggest to most people not to do that as late in the season as we did. Um, they have had people die in, in that gorge because they've gone down it when it's too late in the season. Because once you drop below the rim, as you can imagine, it gets up to 50-odd plus degrees in summer. So, you know, a bit earlier would have been better. I mean, we managed. It was only like, well, I shouldn't say only. It was high 30s. But, you know, certainly it was still very, very hot. That's warm for walking. It mm. is. It's a bit too warm. I only did one walk. I wussed the second walk. I said to my husband, no, you can do it. I'm sitting in the air conditioning in the car. <laughs> But look, beautiful place. And then again, as I said, we ended up at Monkey Mire eventually the next day, which is about another 400 k's. And yes, that was just delightful to stay there. So did some wonderful things there. Of course, we did see the dolphins, but you've also got resident pelicans who are gorgeous, who just stroll along the beach, not afraid of humans, you know, just quite interactive. And then, of course, cruising out from Monkey Mire, we did a couple of lovely cruises on this wonderful big cat, which was quite fantastic as well. So, um, and the good thing about that, if you do the morning cruise with them, they throw in a, a sunset cruise for nothing. Sounds great. Now, did you see some interesting marine life while you were on the boat? 
We did dugongs. Now, how often do you get to see dugongs? That's pretty rare. Very uh, rare. And um, there's a lot of seagrass because it's quite shallow for monkey mile. They've got quite a big sandbar to get around um, on the tide, you know, to get you to the point. But the skippers are really great. They know exactly where these creatures are and where they feed. And again, they had calves, as did the dolphins. So they were just all had these newly borns in the last few weeks. So we saw a plethora almost of dugongs it was just amazing and I've never seen one in the wild like that before except on Tanner Island in Vanuatu and I really only saw its head but these kept coming up for air then they dive down and they've got the big fluky tail like a whale has not as big but the same sort of shape this big fan shaped tail and we saw loggerhead turtles and of course we saw dolphins as well in the wild as well as the ones that you, that come right in and isn't it funny how they know such intelligent animals you know they come in at First thing in the morning, they're there. It says quarter to eight. Well, they're there from about 7.30, just waiting for everyone <laughs> to turn up. And then they come back again about... Oh, it, it varies. They can never say exactly, but usually about... Two hours later, they'll turn up again. They know there's going to be more people and more food. <laughs> but they do limit them. So be assured, people, well, they're not trying to domesticate these animals. They're, they're just showing you how intelligent and how wonderful they are. And there was one particular one. She was a naughty little girl. She kept play acting. And they said, we have taught her nothing. But she was curling up her tail and her nose at the same time <laughs> with this big grin on her face. And if you waved her, she, pawned, she performed even more. <laughs> and that was just her training herself to do that so that was was quite an amazing sight to see I can assure you sounds wonderful and more from Western Australia a little more from Western Australia to come we're in Western Australia. We've just been to Monkey Maya, seen the wonderful dolphins and the dugongs. And the other thing you can see there are the oldest living organisms in the world, which are stromatolites. They're unusual formations that look like these big flattened rocks, and it's really amazing, but they're actually living organisms, the oldest in the world. They have them there, and also there's Shell Beach, which is just on your way into Monkey Maya, which is this, it's very high in saline, so there's no living creatures that can't survive. And but the beach is this pure white crushed shell and this, you know, turquoise blue water, which is absolutely stunning. Then on the way back down, we followed the coast okay, road. Just, from, just a little sorry. note on the stunning is, blue sky. It's always sunny in Western Australia, isn't it? <laughs> except when it's not. No, <laughs> except when it wasn't in winter this year when we went and was yes. the coldest, winters, wettest winter on record. But no, we didn't have that this time. We didn't have Can't any rain, <laughs> which was lovely. So we came back down, of course, the you still come back down the, the main highway, which is called the Coastal Highway, but you're really not on the coast till you get back down to, to Geraldton. Um, and then you can cut back down on the actual coast on the Indian Ocean Drive, which is what we did. So we came back from Geraldton on a different route than we went up and you go through little places called Greeno, Dongara, Port Denison, Lehman, Greenhead, um, Durian Bay which is really pretty and then Cervantes which is where the famous pinnacles are which are these unique structures that are in the desert that everyone seemed to miss when the early explorers came through and you think they were so close to the to the coast how did they miss them but it, it's really unusual and they're still out the jury's still out on actually how they formed. How they formed. Mm. So that that was an interesting thing to and go to. There's a little road through them, isn't yes, there? Yes, it's that a, you a can little road that's a little dirt road that you can just follow around and get off and look and explore um, by foot, you know, and just be careful again, flies, to go protected with your bushmans or whatever, or get one of those nets to put over your head would be lovely. Um, and that's the Nambung National Park. And from there, we caught into this gorgeous little beach at a place called Lancelin. And the, oh, you blinked, the water was just so blue. and the 
beach so white. It was just gorgeous. Um, so, yes, that, that was fantastic. And then we eventually, of course, ended up back in Perth, had an, just one night there with our son. And um, we then, all of us, ducked down to Margaret River for three nights, which we stayed at a place called Narrabup, because just about everything in Western Australia has got up on the end. <laughs> um, and it's near Prevelli, which is near the, the famous surfers point where they have, of course, the big wave surfing. And it's fantastic to watch all these surfers, even though it wasn't big, big. When you think how far back you are from where the waves are rolling in, they're big. Yes. You know, they're, they're not the huge big ones, but honestly, that was fantastic to watch and just to have a lovely drive in that vineyard area. And it's quite a beautiful drive then to go on down to the um, Cape Lewin Lighthouse. Um, it's a lovely forested road, which is very pretty road to, to drive through, just a single lane each way, so no freeway, you know. So when you're driving around that Margaret River region, it, it is very pretty area to drive around. And there's lots of lovely little villages, towns and nice little cafes on the beach and etc. So that was delightful. Lots of good food outlets too. And yes. As well as the wine outlets. And yeah. a lot of the vineyards are so beautifully done with their gardens and lawns and you know they'll have mm. big dams with a spouting fountain in it or you know lovely restaurants etc as well. Even a brewery down there for those who don't drink wine. We actually went to Bass Felix for lunch and my son doesn't drink wine and he asked for either a beer or a spirit but they didn't serve either. Ah. There you go. Just wine only. Tap water for you? <laughs> yes, tap water for him it was. We convinced him to have a glass of champagne to celebrate, oh. though. Okay, why not? <laughs> now, you've got something else which is interesting yeah. looking at the rest of the world. Well, I just this came across my desk first day back, which was a shocker. It always is, isn't it, when you have to go through 6,000 emails? But I managed to read this one, and I thought it was great. Um, the UN World Tourism Organisation has come up with what they consider some of the hottest destinations for 2019, and these are based on growth figures. So some of them are currently a bit off the beaten track but I guess that'll change obviously because I'm going to talk about them for a start aren't I uh, such as the resurgence of Egypt which its visitor numbers are now up a whopping 55% in the last 12 months because they'd gone down to less than half after the unrest that they have had in the past um, but some of them are also hidden treasures as well. Now Portugal is certainly, I mean it used to be Spain was the ultimate destination but Portugal might be almost going to push you know, ahead of Spain, it's becoming quite a pos po popular, sorry, destination to go to. And it's, it's just really lovely. And a lot of them do speak English in uh, Portugal because of their connection with Britain. They've always had a very strong connection with Britain because it has the British colonies there as well, of course, in the past and with Gibraltar and all that sort of thing down that way. But, of course, lovely food, the Douro Valley, which is famous mainly for its fortified wines, but other wines no, as well. port. Uh, yes, the port has Porto. And, of course, the wonderful Douro River where you you can cruise and up and down the river as well and this gorgeous little town called Sintra out of Lisbon which is where all the, the rich and famous and the old princes in their day and kings went for their summer retreat gorgeous little town Uruguay is another one which is situated between Brazil and Argentina and it's one of South America's smallest countries so it's really quite gorgeous because with the old town it's got 19th century architecture uh, and also Uruguay is a very popular area for, hi uh, for hiking with the uh, Parque Nacional Santa Teresa which is about 35k south of the Brazilian border. So that's another interesting one. Egypt, as I mentioned, is, is really quite interesting. And I was only read, reading an article recently about a travel writer who has been and been before. And she said, go now because the numbers are still down and you're not queuing 
to get into all the wonderful attractions. So she said it was great that it's still a little bit quieter and suggested that you go now. Mongolia, of course, famous for Genghis Khan and, of course, that wonderful Silk Route that crosses through those areas. And that's becoming a really interesting part of the world to visit. Finland, of course, if you, particularly if you're into cross-country skiing or something like that. Um, you've got you know, remote villages of Finnish Lapland and there as well that you can visit. And lastly but not leastly, uh, Georgia, where some friends of ours just went recently, which is in between Europe and Asia, a blend of Eastern and Western influences, Russian, Greek, Mongolian, Turkish, Arabic cultures, etc. And it's very, very cheap. These friends, when they came back, like they were eating for just a few dollars a day. And, you know, they said it was really so interesting. And because, again, there's not a lot of tourists there yet. So they were very welcoming. And, you know, they said the service and everything was, was fantastic and a gorgeous place to visit. How would you like to be on a full-rigged, magnificent clipper sailing ship? Does that evoke sort of lovely thoughts and oh, memories? Oh, yes, romance and all Under the, the sails, yes. yes. gets the imagination going. Well, Star Clipper has got three ships that ply the waters of Southeast Asia, the Caribbean, Mediterranean and the Panama Canal, and they do a couple of ocean crossings, of course, when they finish it, you know, Europe and then transfer to go to the Caribbean. And they've got some early bird discounts at the moment, offering up to 30% off a range of their sailings from now till October 2019. And they've got actually on their March-April Thailand sailings, there's no single supplement. So if you're interested in doing a cruise around Thailand. So they do Thailand around Indonesia, Sabah, Borneo, Malaysia, those sort of areas in Asia. And as I said, Mediterranean, Caribbean, Panama, etc. So that is up until um, Mar yes, March and April. It's no cut-off date, but just limited spaces subject to availability till they're gone, basically. Um, Celestial Cruises is a company that cruises the Med, and they've got a nice sale which finishes on the 29th of November. And what they're doing with these, they're their little three and four and up to seven night cruises around the Greek Isles area, and they have got a complimentary drinks package available on that at the moment as well as complimentary shore excursions on a range of sailings next year that start in March and some of them even go right through into 2020. So uh, some lovely itineraries all around that lower Mediterranean region with celestial cruises. So that's one to keep in mind. And train journeys. Aren't they, they again evoke, I think, some nice memories for most of us. Uh, Paul Theroux famously stated, I have seldom heard a train go by and not wished I was on it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and who could blame him? So, you know, you can stay, of course, these days you can still hear the hiss of a steam carriage and go on some beautiful classic rail journeys where they've obviously renovated these wonderful carriages up to, to a luxurious level. Just to give you an idea, some of these trips that you can do, you can do Cape Town to Victoria Falls on Rovos Rail, which is considered the most luxurious train in the world um, and that's a seven day trip you can go from Cusco to Arequipa so that's one of the highest train routes in the world of course over the Andes to Lake Titicaca and finishing there with an optional day trip to Machu Picchu you've got the uh, that's called the Andean Explorer you've got the Deccan Odyssey which is remote India in comfort so that's taking to some of the most um, inaccessible reaches of India in absolute style and one of the longest ones now that you can do is Angola 
Angola to Tanzania. So you're crossing the entire continent almost of, of, at the African continent for 15 days, that one. Wow. Uh, yeah, fantastic. There's another one they call Quito to the Galapagos. Now, I know you can't get a train to the Galapagos. but There's a bit of water in between. <laughs> there's a little bit of water, but they do this lovely restored um, train, of course, uh, through Ke- uh, from Quito, etc., to Guayaquil, and then you actually, of course, uh, get your launch point to go across to the Galapagos for four days at the end. And then you've got Pretoria to Cape Town on the blue train, which has been running for many years. That's another famous one. And then there's iconic day trips you can do as well, like the Machu Picchu, which you can do on the Hiram Bingham train out of Cusco. And you can do the tea country in Sri Lanka out of Kandy. So lots of interesting train journeys there available. And just lastly, if I can mention, Jane, Cathay Pacific have got Asia on sale at the moment to over 30 of their popular cities across mainland China, Japan, South Korea and Vietnam. This sale finishes 5 December and economy class fares have got a heap of from under $1,000 to a range of destinations, which is when you think about it, that's a very, very inexpensive airfares mm. to travel to that part of the world. So always something out there for everybody. Thank you, Sally Lucas. Thanks, Jane. And we'll talk travel again next Friday on 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>